Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio, this is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness. roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. It's Unnecessary Roughness here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Big hole. First down, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Raiders, would you believe it? This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy, Q. And here we are kicking off our number three of the show, Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Been having a lot of fun throughout the course of the week. We've been doing training camp two-a-days. We've been taking a look at every single team that is on the Raiders 2022 regular season schedule, and we've got through a lot. And up next is the Jacksonville Jaguars, so let's go ahead and jump into training camp two-a-days. It's time for another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days. As your boy Q takes a look at every team on the Raiders' 2022 regular season schedule here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. So let's get into some Jacksonville Jaguar conversation. And to help us do that, Gene Frenette from the Florida Times Union joins us on the phone lines. And Gene, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. And off top, how does it feel there in uh, Jacksonville covering the Jaguars? And no Urban Meyer, now Doug Peterson is there. He's a Super Bowl winning head coach, and he's got Trevor Lawrence to work with. How does things feel different from what they did a year ago? Oh, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's about as close to a 180 as you can get. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily saying that the, you know, the, the Jaguars are, are playoff bound and, and ready to make some noise in the AFC. But I think the optimism and outlook and more, more than anything else, just the plain organizational aspect of this franchise is, looks so much brighter than it, than it was a year ago. Now, obviously, I don't, th- I don't think a lot of people foresaw you know, you know, how much the, uh, the Jaguars w- would unravel in 2021 as they did. But, you know, once it became, a, you know, it, it was pretty apparent, I would say, about halfway through the season that, uh, you know, it wasn't heading for a good place and things weren't going to get a whole lot better. But now, not just with, the, not just with Peterson being the, the head coach and having his Super Bowl pedigree, but with, you know, a lot of the acquisitions that they have made in the offseason, free agency and in the draft, I think there's a feeling that this team – can, uh, you know, get competitive rather quickly. Winning is one thing, but I think, you know, more than anything else, you know, what, what's really, you know, made things kind of depressing for the Jaguars fan base in recent years is how many games they lose by double digits. Right. You know, I mean, it's one, it's one thing to go, you know, 6-10, and 10 and, you know, maybe you lose seven of those 10 games by a touchdown or less, right? But it's another thing to go six and uh, six and ten, and you're getting blown out in virtually every one of those games. And uh, unfortunately, they haven't, the Jaguars haven't even been able to see six and ten in recent years. So, uh, you know, I, I think I think there's a feeling that uh, this franchise has a chance to get not only pretty decent this year, but maybe pretty darn good two and three years down the road. 
How surprised or, or shocked maybe is the better way to put it were you and how shocked was the fan base when the Jaguars went out and dished out as much money as they did in free agency, especially the guys like Christian Kirk and a guy that Raider Nation is very familiar with in Zay Jones at the wide receiver positions? Well, I would, I would say I wasn't surprised that they were going – I mean, they, they had said from the get-go that they were going to spend money. Okay. Right? Uh, but, I, you know, I mean, obviously the price tag for Christian Kirk uh, was a little bit surprising. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that uh, that his resume merited that kind of uh, the coin, kind of coin that he got, but uh, you know, he certainly now, uh, you know, on paper at least, should be the best best receiver on their roster. I mean, he should be better than Marvin Jones. He should be better than Zay Jones. Or his production should be better right. than those two guys. But those are gonna, probably going to be their top three receivers. And so now you now you've given Trevor Lawrence, who. who you know, despite his terrible numbers that he put up last season, I think there's still a belief that uh, this guy is going to be a generational quarterback. But I will say this, he's going to have to show a lot more this year because I don't think that he will get the free pass that he got last year because of the Urban Meyer debacle. Before we jump into training camp two-a-days, I wanted to ask you, Doug Peterson is there. He's the head coach. He he's brings that Super Bowl pedigree with him, and I think he's a really good head coach. But what went wrong with Byron Leftwich? Because he looked like he was going to be the guy, no doubt, that was going to get that job. Uh, well, you know, that was a perception mm. that was out there. But okay. I, I will say this. One thing that was strange about the way the whole – coaching hire went down. Doug Peterson was like the first guy the Jaguars interviewed, right? Mm-hmm. And then he sort of like went off the radar. When I say went off the radar, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about him for a while, right? And, and because there wasn't a whole lot of talk about him, and then when, the, when Byron, when it came time for Byron's interview, there were some people uh, who perpetuated this belief that, that Byron was about to get the job, right? I mean, there was, there was one... Uh, uh, reporter for the Arizona uh, Cardinals who had connections with the with the assistant GM down there who said he was ninety nine point nine percent certain that wow. Byron was getting the job and that uh, I, I forget the guy's name who was the front office guy was going to be the GM. I mean, when you go on the air publicly and say you're ninety nine point nine percent sure, that's <laughs> that's about as a guarantee as you can get, right? Right. Uh, but. Uh, Behind the scenes, it was a little bit of a different story. Do I think that Byron, that the Jaguars were serious about wanting to bring uh, bring in Byron? Yeah, I, I think they were, but we'll never know quite know to what you know what it was. Whether whether it was money, whether it was in his, his insistence that he wanted that he wanted to bring in this GM from uh, assistant GM from Arizona, and and maybe the owner wanted to you know wanted to keep Trent Balky. You know, the, you know the, they were – Shad Khan or nobody in that organization has been really specific as to how it went down. They, you know, they, they just like to say that, hey, you know, we, we talked to Byron, we listened to Byron, and we, just, we made a decision that we want, wanted to go with Doug Peterson. But they insist that Doug Peterson was never out of the hunt. It, just, it was just created that way because, you know, very rarely do you see a guy interview for a job and then a month go by, and then he eventually gets the job, right? Correct. Usually, when you when you when you zero in on a guy, you know it's usually like within a week he's getting the job. Right. Uh, this hiring process, because of the way this hiring process went down, 
it created the perception that you know that you know Byron Leftwood somehow uh, lost the job that was <laughs> that was his, and that that was a, a, a bit of an embellishment. Talking all things Jaguars right now with Gene Frenette from the Florida Times Union here on Unnecessary Roughness, Radio Nation Radio 920. These are our training camp two-a-days. DeMond, go ahead. All right, Gene, so going into training camp, what's the biggest positive for this Jacksonville Jaguars team? Who Biggest positive? Uh, I mean, I, I would say it, it, it would be uh, the expectation that Trevor Lawrence is going to be a really good quarterback. I mean, that's uh, if you're talking positive, that 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 would be, certainly be one of them. And I think the second thing would be that they have really fortified their defense, uh, especially with some of the uh, free agent uh, uh, acquisitions they made in in, in, in Fatukasi, and uh, you know they got Darius Williams uh, from the Los Angeles from the Los Angeles Rams, uh, and uh, you know it just it, it just particularly up front, it just looks like their defensive line has a chance to be pretty darn good. And if your defensive line is pretty darn good, then you've got a chance to stop people. Yeah, you said the biggest positive there. You started with Trevor Lawrence. So from the people that you talk to and what you've been hearing, is the potential still out there? Does the Jaguars organization still believe that he can be the second coming of Peyton Manning or <laughs> one of those all-time great quarterbacks? Well, you know, I mean, obviously it's, it's understandable why, why Trevor has been compared to Peyton Manning. But, you know, let, let's not – Let's not lose sight of the fact that we're talking about a what a five-time league MVP, <laughs> you know, uh, and a Hall of Famer, and uh, you know. All right, and then you talk, you, listen when you talk about comparing to uh, Peyton Manning, that's some that's some pretty darn big <laughs> shoes to fill. You're talking about one of the two or three highest quarterback bars probably in the history of the NFL in terms of production, right? Yardage, touchdowns. Uh, you know, offensive uh, fireworks. I mean, you know, Peyton is, is certainly in that conversation. Uh, but I, I listen. The Jaguars don't need Trevor Lawrence to be Peyton Manning, right? Uh, I mean, it'd be great if he was, but I mean, <laughs> they don't need him to be Peyton Manning to be able to, uh, you know, achieve uh, achieve success, or, or more importantly become a consistent playoff contender. I mean, that's really what the goal is in the NFL. People talk about, yeah, it's great to win a Super Bowl, but I think year in and year out, what organizations want is they want a team that's consistently in the playoff hunt, right? I mean, that's what the Raiders were for years and years back in their heyday, right? You always knew the Raiders were going to be in the playoff hunt. They didn't always win the Super Bowl, but, boy, they were going to be there, right? And to me, that's what that's the challenge for, for – that's why what New England has done for the past two decades – I mean, that's just off the charts to be able to do it. You know, and people can say, well, yeah, they were in a crappy division, and a lot, in, 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 in some ways that is true. But it, it's about being able to be consistently in the playoff hunt. And the Jaguars did that in the late 90s. You know, and they, they did it a little bit in the uh, mid-2000s, but that's it. I mean – this, listen, this has been the worst football franchise in the last decade. It has the worst record in the NFL of anybody. And listen, the Raiders aren't that far behind them either. I mean, the Raiders uh, have, had, <laughs> have right. had their down well, and yeah. now they look, now the Raiders look like a team that, uh, you know, that could be ascending. Now, would you, would you say, would you say Derek Carr 
is the second coming of Peyton Manning? Well, no, you wouldn't. But you know what? You could say with legitimacy that that Derek Carr is a quarterback that can get you to the playoffs, that can get you to the AFC championship game. You know, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'm what I'm saying is I think I think his I think he's advanced enough as a quarterback to be to be able to get there. All right, Gene, so moving on to the, the still with this Jaguars team, though, but what's the biggest negative for this team going into training camp? Ooh. Well, uh, I wouldn't say it's the biggest negative, but it's certainly a big concern. Uh, their place-kicking situation is not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, uh, you, know, they've, they, you know, Josh Lambeau, who was like the most accurate kicker in the entire NFL for a three- or four-year period there, all of a sudden lost his mojo, and now he's not, he, now he's not even getting – now he's not even – uh, not, doesn't even have an NFL job, and so there's a lot of inexperience. They got, they got two very highly inexperienced guys fighting for that job. So I would say that's a concern. Uh, whether it's the biggest negative, no, you know what I would say the biggest negative is 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 overcoming a bad history. When you, when you are as abysmally bad as the Jaguars have been the last ten years, okay. What happens, I think, and this is maybe more so with the fan base than it is with players, but when things don't go right, when something goes wrong, the first thing, you know, you start thinking in the back of your mind is, uh-oh, here we go again. Mm. And that's what Doug Peterson and his coaching staff have got to change. And I think, you know, I think they, they're basically going to be operating from a pretty clean slate. Um, so whatever negatives have been connected to a, a decade of futility, um, this staff is going to have to, uh, you know, have enough success and production so that that doesn't that doesn't weigh on this on the, on this franchise, particularly the fan base, because they're the ones that have uh, that have really gone through a lot of hell. You, you you don't have you don't have players on this you don't have many players on this team that have been here for you know seven or eight years. <laughs> and experience. You've had, you have like only one or two guys, you know, that that have you know even been around for just five years. So um, I mean, the, but you know, listen, they got the AFC West division this year, and uh, <laughs> there's not a, there's not a, there's not a worse division to have on your schedule than that one. Right. No, you're right about that. The AFC West is going to be a dogfight each and every week, and every single one of the teams in the division looks like they have an opportunity to even win the division. But, of course, you got to go get it done on the field. Gene Frenette is our guest right now on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. So how about this? I always like to ask a positive, a negative, and, and, then, a, and then also like the biggest question. But let's skip over the biggest question and go right to – uh, someone that we're not talking about, someone that may be on your radar right now that you're looking at and you're interested in seeing once training camp opens up because you think that they could be uh, somewhat of a difference maker or a playmaker for the Jaguars. Do you have anyone on your radar like that? Uh, that's an easy one for me. Uh, it would be the tight end, Evan Ingram. Ooh, um, okay. I just, I, I, you know, listen, he's on a one-year deal. He's on a prove-it deal here with the Jaguars. So he has every incentive in the world, right, to have as you know, to have to stay healthy and have as good a season as he can, because then he then he'll have a chance to really uh, make some big money. I mean, listen, Evan Ingram is really kind of if there's any tight end in the NFL masquerading as a receiver, it's Evan Ingram. He's got the speed to be able. I mean, this guy's not. This guy didn't. The Jaguars didn't sign him to be a blocker. They signed right. him to get to, to give to get them production at a tight end position that has really been a black hole 
for the Jaguars for, gosh, eight years, ten years. I mean, they just haven't gotten any production whatsoever out of that position. I mean, the Jaguars would kill to have a guy who could be half as good as the tight end that the Raiders have. There you go. There you go. I like it. (laughs) Waller is – I'm not saying he's the best tight end in the NFL, but he's (laughs) – oh, boy (laughs) – uh, you could sure make an offense look a lot better having a guy like that to throw to. <laughs> that's facts. Keep the compliments coming. <laughs> that is, no, that's facts, though. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. All right, Gene, and you mentioned Josh Lambeau a little bit ago. He said that he lost his mojo. He was one of the best place kickers in the NFL just a few seasons ago. And I know that he is the player that, you know, Urban Meyer kicked, and he's since sued the Jaguars. <laughs> is there any updates or anything going on with that lawsuit? No, no. I, I would, I would suspect. I don't know. I'm only. I would only suspect. There's probably going to be some kind of settlement there. I mean, you know. I mean, I've, I've seen. I've, I've read the copy of the lawsuit. Okay, and the one thing that would give me pause if I'm if I'm a proponent of of Lambo would be there's not a, there's not a whole lot of specifics in the lawsuit. In other words, it doesn't talk about to the degree of which he kicked him. It doesn't talk about, you know, what kind of pain uh, he was in as a result of the kick. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, 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 it's a very vague-looking lawsuit. It's only six pages long. It's not like it's like this, you know, lengthy 50-page, 100-page <laughs> document. It's six pages long. And it's very vague on details. And I had a, I had a uh, labor lawyer tell me, uh, that that was a very big, he said if he was trying to, you know, get some money out of the Jaguars uh, based on what is contained in that lawsuit, he says he finds it, he finds it very challenging because he said it's, it's incredibly vague. So there, 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 so there has to be, there has, it has to be more detailed than what is contained in the lawsuit. Well, there you go. There you go, the latest and the greatest when it comes to all things Jacksonville Jaguars, even lawsuits that are going on around the team. Gene, great stuff, my man. We definitely appreciate you. You got anything coming out that uh, we should be on the lookout for that maybe gives us a little bit more insight into the Jacksonville Jaguars? Uh, well, you know, I've been kind of on a off-on uh, vacation schedule here. Nice. Obviously, the training camp uh, starts in less than two weeks now. Uh, but I am gonna. I, I am having a, uh, a pretty extensive call. In fact, you, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing it right now for Sunday on uh, the Jaguars' offensive coordinator Zach Taylor and his brother. I'm sorry, Jaguars' offensive coordinator Press Taylor yeah. and his brother Zach, who's the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals and all the you know the sibling rivalry that they had growing up in, in Norman, Oklahoma, and uh, and now because they've reached such a high level in their profession. The family now, the only trepidation the family has is, is you know, they, they don't look forward to the prospect of, of their sons facing each other, especially in a playoff situation. And last year that almost happened, but the Indianapolis Colts came to Jacksonville on the last day of the season needing a win to get into the playoffs, and they laid an egg. <laughs> yeah, uh, they Press did. Taylor's offense laid, or laid an egg. And so, uh, so I was talking to Zach Taylor about this uh, a few weeks back, and uh, he was very, even though he normally roots, always roots for his brother, uh, you know, just as they both, he said he was kind of grateful that the Jaguars did that because he didn't look forward to the prospect of facing his brother on the opposite sideline in the playoffs. It just, 
too too awkward for the family. Not so much for the brothers, but for the family, it's a very awkward thing. So anyway, it, it's a you know it's one of those fun things stories you like to do about about how how two brothers you know rose in the NFL ranks, kind of like the Lafleur brothers, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Lafleur being the head coach of the Green Bay Packers and his uh, and his younger brother being the offensive coordinator now with the New York Jets, kind of a a little bit of a similar storyline. So I uh, look forward to doing that. Kind of good, one of those good fun. Uh, off-season re- reads to kind of get your prep for training camp. There you go, and you know, once training camp hits, it's full throttle, and you'll kiss the kiss the the wife and family. Uh, I'll see you in February. <laughs> you know, so yeah, it's gonna. Well, be- in the Jaguars' case, we never have to worry about seeing you in February. We'll see you <laughs> second week of January. <laughs> that's a that's a good point. That's a good point. Well, Gene, hey, great stuff, great breakdowns. Thank you so much for your time. We definitely appreciate you this evening. Okay, guys, thanks for having me. All right, there he goes. Great stuff right there. I forgot about that. Yeah, the first week in uh, in in, uh, in, ja- in January, it's a wrap, right? That was Gene Frenette, Florida Times Union, on Twitter, at Gene Frenette, giving us all the breakdown, all the skinny on the Jacksonville Jaguars, who, remember, as we uh, talked New Orleans Saints earlier in the show, uh, the Raiders have back-to-back East Coast games. You go from New Orleans to Jacksonville, and they're going to stay on the East Coast after that Saints game. They're going to stay there. They're not going to return to Las Vegas, and they asked the NFL to schedule it like that so they can do just that so they don't have to worry about that travel time. And the Jacksonville Jaguars could be a team. If they're worth the salt, man, that could be one of those teams that's a little, I don't want to say it's scary, but it could be one of those trap-type games. Uh, I've had some people point that game out, like, hey, don't don't sleep on the Jaguars. They may, they may surprise a few folks as they surprised the Colts a year ago, as Gene pointed out, so. Good stuff right there from Gene. That was a good breakdown. Oh, no, I feel like we definitely know a little bit more about the Jags, but I'm not saying sleep on them, but I do feel like uh, if this team goes 6-11, six and, se- six and, um, six and 11, that, that, that'll be good for them. Oh, like, yeah, it will be. Six, it yeah. will be, but it, it won't be good for the six teams that they beat. Oh, yeah, well, they got to be somebody. <laughs> Exactly. I don't know when the wins are going to come. Well, exa- that's and that's why that's a, could be a team that you that you sleep on because you don't want to end up being one of those teams that they beat. Just like the Giants beat the Raiders last year, it was one of those like, wait, how did that happen? Obviously, we know all the issues that were going on with the Raiders. It was more than just um, you know lack of preparation and lack of execution on the field. But again, man, I always say this that the team. That is the scariest team is the one that hasn't won a game because they're the ones that are so desperate and so hungry to win. And any time that you, uh, your team goes and faces one of those kind of teams, you just have to hope unless they're just awful, unless they're just absolutely 0-17 type awful, then you never know what's going to happen on that Sunday, Monday, Thursday, whatever the case may be. 424 is the time. Let's go ahead and look for call number nine. Battle for Vegas. The game is going on on Monday at LV Ballpark. You want to be calling number nine. You want to go there and see Team Josh Jacobs, including Marshawn Lynch, going up against Team Riley Smith. That's the Golden Knights. Call number nine is what we're looking for at 702-365-9200. Again, 702-365-9200. Coming up next, we're going to have Mike Wells, my brother, from ESPN, talking all things Indianapolis Colts. This is Red Nation Radio 920. That was another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days on Raider Nation Radio 920. It is happening. Officially a done deal. Sources tell me and Mike Garofalo and Tom Pelissero that Matt Ryan is being traded to the Indianapolis Colts. The deal is done. It is agreed to. It is the third round pick. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Got to give a big shout out to my guy Manny. 
He got hooked up with a pair of tickets to go to Battle for Vegas Monday night at the Las Vegas Ballpark. Team Josh Jacobs going up against Team Riley Smith charity softball game. Marshawn Lynch will be playing for Team Josh Jacobs. That'll be a lot of fun. But uh, you heard right there, Matt Ryan to the Indianapolis Colts. That must mean that it's a time for another training camp to a day. It's time for another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days. As your boy Q takes a look at every team on the Raiders' 2022 regular season schedule here on Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. And we are to that part of the schedule where the Raiders face the Indianapolis Colts right here in Las Vegas. I know that Unique Ngakwe has talked about he's excited about that game. Of course, Gus Bradley is the defensive coordinator there. He was the Raiders defensive coordinator just a year ago. And joining us to talk about the Colts is my guy, Mike Wells from ESPN. And Mike, first of all, before we even get started, we're going to be doing a four-hour show in just a matter of a few minutes. So are you ready? <laughs> Man, that's what I was about to say, Q, man. So... You're doing your show, what, what, what is it, a three-hour show in Vegas right now? Yes, sir. And then you and I are going to be on, on uh, ESPN Radio at 9 o'clock tonight? Yeah, so 9 o'clock. You, you, you have enough hot air to, to talk on the radio for seven straight hours? I do, and you know what's even funnier, Mike, is that I did a three-hour show this morning on our, our affiliate ESPN Las Vegas. Man, 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 I'll, I'll be using that against you once we, <laughs> once we get on the air at 9. <laughs> I know you will, Mike. I know you will. You are my brother. So I'm, I'm excited and looking forward to our conversations and our, our, our show tonight that we'll have for four hours as we fill in for uh, Freddie and Fitzsimmons on, uh, on uh, ESPN Radio. But, Mike, let's get into the Indianapolis Colts, and let's start with Matt Ryan. Matty Ice comes over from the Atlanta Falcons. What does he bring to the table for the Colts that they did not obviously have a year ago in Carson Wentz? The biggest thing is going to be experience uh, and leadership. I mean, the thing with Carson, it was realized early on that he was more talk than action. And you, you bring in Matt Ryan, won the MVP in 2016. And from the OTAs and minicamp talk, I mean, those guys said there was definitely a different vibe. Uh, from a leadership standpoint, I do question how much Matt Ryan has left in the tank. You know, he's cool. In this year's draft, he's getting up there in time. So, um, the same arm sheet that he has with the Falcons. I mean, there's question marks with Matt Ryan, but from a leadership standpoint, there's no doubt that he's trumping um, Carson Wentz in that area. How do you think Gus Bradley does with that defense? Because that defense with uh, Indy was pretty good last season. They got some playmakers, obviously, on the defensive side of the ball. They have Bradley, and they bring in Unique Ngakwe. How do you think that changes the game for the defense? Oh, but they're going to still have beat it, that same aggressive style, but, I mean, when they, they bring in your guy uh, – and Dockaway from, from, the, from the Raiders. So you put him on one side with Quiddy Pan on the other side, uh, DeForest Buckner anchoring the middle, and then with DeForest Buckner, I mean, she'd be Darius Leonard, the linebacker, uh, and then you, you get Stephon Gilmore. The Colts hope he's close to what he was in 2019 when he won defensive player of the year. They've got pieces out there. But with that said, I mean, obviously they're playing the Raiders in Las Vegas. They've got the entire AMC West, which I think is the best division of football this year. So if you can't get to the quarterback when you're facing Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and who am I missing? I'm missing one off the list. I'm missing one quarter. Uh, Russell Wilson? Uh, which one am I missing? Yeah, Russell Wilson in Denver. If you can't get to the quarterback, you have no chance. You got to tough. It's going to be tough for you to beat any team in the league. What is the fan base feeling like around the Colts? Obviously, again, it's an upgrade from Carson Wentz uh, to Matt Ryan, but how is the fan base feeling about this team? <laughs> from, from a Team's standpoint, they feel good because they're in the AFC South. I think with the Titans treated A.J. Brown to the 
to the Eagles, that was a big blow for them. I'm not a believer in Ryan Tannehill. So the opportunity to win the division, which I think is one of the weakest in the NFL, is going to be there. And it's not going to be solely on Matt Ryan. It helps when you have the NFL's leading rusher and Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. It's going to, it's going to be huge for them. But from the, the excitement, I can't say this league. You can't really – they got to wait and see it, folks. You've got to think about it. I mean, Matt Ryan is going to be the six different week one starting quarterback for the Colts since 2017. By the way, in Vegas, man, I mean, has it ever rained for like five, for like two seconds and stopped? <laughs> yeah, yeah, all that's the time. What that's what it's doing. That's what it's doing in Indy right now. That's funny. It's, yeah, we we get that, Mike. We get that. It's preparing you for your trip to Vegas. <laughs> uh, hey, I'm coming. I know y'all got a pool at the house. So when I'm in Vegas the first week of August, I'm coming to the Myers household to hang out, man. It's all right, man. You know you're always welcome, brother. You know you're always welcome at the house. Matter of fact, uh, the wife will probably move me out for a while. Like, you know what? Go to work. That's all you do anyway. We'll, uh, we'll let Mike <laughs> talk some trash about you because that's what Mike likes to do. He likes to talk some trash. But, Damon, Mike is a big fan of the Bay Area. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, I, I'm, only, I'm only saying that on ESPN Radio. I'm not, I can't say it on your show tonight. I'm saying <laughs> I ain't mad at you. But, Mike, uh, we're, we're doing the training camp two-a-days just like we're doing on ESPN Radio. We're looking for a positive and negative, and we're also looking for uh, the biggest question. So, DeMond's going to go ahead and start us off. All right, Mike, so what's the biggest positive with this coach team going into training camp? Uh, Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he, he makes everybody's job easy. And I, I, I shall, you know, I'm going to give three. I'm, I'm going to break the rules. I'm, I'm going to take over the show right quick and give three of them. I'm going to say do, Jonathan, anyway. Taylor, <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan Taylor, DeForest Buckner, and Darius Leonard. Those are the three biggest positives uh, for the Colts. And actually, I'm going to throw in a bonus one, a fourth one. They play in the AFC South. There you go. I mean, that AFC South ain't no joke, though. I mean, the Titans are still. DeMond is a Tennessee champs. Titan fan, so there, there's that. Oh, my man. Listen, man, what's the Tennessee's guy going to some hot chicken right now? <laughs> it's, it, yo, it's one of the best things about the state, man. I'll, I'll rap anything that Tennessee produces. <laughs> um, I would say, that you, I mean, on, on the negative side, I mean, can you name a wide receiver on the roster not named Michael Pittman Jr.? You got me there. I'm uh, yeah. I'm struggling. Hey, exactly. So I mean, that's the thing. T. Y. Hillen's a free agent right now. The Colts hope Paris Campbell Campbell can get healthy. Uh, he's been more injured than uh, productive in the first three years of his NFL career. So they, there's question marks on who Matt Ryan is going to be throwing the ball to. Also, a tight end after Jack Doyle uh, retired. So I would probably say that's a negative. The lack of uh, depth at the skill position spots outside of running back. All right, so you already touched on the negative there. So what's the biggest question for this coach team as they go into training camp? Can, can, can Matt Ryan do enough to help alleviate some of the pressure off of Donaldson Taylor? Can he be productive enough to, uh, from, in the passing game to help the Colts out? There you go. That makes a lot of sense. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be interesting. And, and how about a bonus question, Mike? How about wh what's a, a person, a player that, that we're not talking about right now on the Colts that maybe after training camp's over and preseason's done, we are talking about? Ooh, I'm going to go with Mo Alley-Cox at tight end. Former, he becomes the number one tight end, former uh, college basketball player at VCU. Uh, power forward, played for Shaka, Shaka Smart when he was there. I say he's going to have an opportunity because Matt Ryan loves tight ends and running backs in the passing game. So Mo, Mo Alley-Cox, don't forget that name. Okay, there it is. Mo Alley-Cox, we'll pay attention to that. We'll see what Matt Ryan could do, and we'll, we'll, see, uh, we'll see who the wide receivers are going to be. Before we let you go, my man DeMond, I have one more question for you. Yeah, you mentioned that you thought that, oh, man, since the Titans, they traded away A.J. Brown, that's a bit of a blow for him. Do you think that the Colts are the odds-on favorite to win the AFC South? 
Yeah, yeah. And I'm saying that just because I know I know you are, you're a Titans fan, so I'm going to say that on purpose <laughs> and put a little extra emphasis into it. But, yeah, the Titans are going to take a step back, even though I, I think Mike Vrabel is probably one of the most underrated head coaches in the league. And Ryan Tannehill is just an average quarterback. Boom. I agree with that 100%. 100%. I've never been a believer in Ryan Tannehill when he was at Texas A&M, when he was in Miami, in Tennessee. I've just never been a big believer in that. And uh, what do you think? Let me ask you this. I mean, you cover the division. What do you think about Derrick Henry? You know he got banged up quite a bit last season, but still, you know, he was the guy. Do you think that he comes back strong and he, he's good to go and he doesn't have any setbacks, or you think he kind of falls in that victim of, of running backs and what, what happens to him after a certain time? No, I think he. I think he's back. I think he and Jonathan Taylor will continue to be one and one a as far as the best running backs in the league. So, I mean, Taylor, Taylor's a beast. Yeah. I mean, Stephen Taylor. I mean, uh, Henry's a beast. So yeah, he is. Those two, one and one a in in that category. So it, it'll be interesting. But I, I'm gonna give the Colts the edge in the division right now. There it is. The Colts as the edge in the division. Well, Mike, thanks so much, man, for your time. I definitely appreciate you. I would say that I'll check you out uh, sooner rather than later, but I will literally be checking you out sooner rather than later, like in an hour or so. So I'll talk to you soon, brother. Yeah, yeah I'll talk to you like 90 minutes. See you later. <laughs> All right, see you, man. There goes Mike Wells from ESPN. And he's not joking. We are definitely going to do a four-hour show starting at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on uh, on ESPN National. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we did a show the other night together, and uh, we're going to rock it again. So, uh, yeah, when he says that he's going to be talking trash and talking about a lot of hot air on the air, oh, he does. He's, he's the one dude that likes to give me the business all the time. So uh, it's going to be a fun show. I mean, I kind of felt bad even having him on because you could just be like, well, you too, you got to do the show. But, uh, but it's just like, man, you got to do this again in just about an hour. Hey man, not even you can't even take a quick nap. Hey, hey, no need for naps, man. I'll tell you this: when they don't want you to do a show anymore, is when there's a problem. That's when there's a problem. While Have you even had time to eat today? No, no, <laughs> no. I haven't had anything yet, but it's all good. It's all good. Once once we're done with the show tonight at ten o'clock, then I'll get something good to eat and I'll knock out the podcast and I'll go to sleep for a few hours and I'll wake up in the morning and I'll do it all over again because I got out of the press box again tomorrow morning. So there's that. But I hey, envy you. Woo, you're the hardest working man in sports right now. Hey, you know what? I'll take that title every day of the week and twice on Sunday. If, if someone's going to tell me that, I will take it because that is not a that is a good problem to have. Being being that guy, as long as they're not calling me a, a homeboy that's uh, lazy, like I called homeboy yesterday on the radio. Remember, I said how lazy Christian? he was. Yeah, Christian. As long as I don't talk about him, how or I don't, I'm not associated with him as a lazy dude. I'm all good. So there you go. 4.40 is the time. We'll come back. Many thanks to Mike Wells as our training camp two-a-days continue. We are, we are plowing through the, the Raiders' uh, upcoming 2022 regular schedule. We're going to continue to do those tomorrow and also on Friday as we close out this schedule. But coming up uh, next, we're going to close out today's show. Simple as that. Your calls and texts will close it out. If you hit, have them, hit us, 702-365-9200. Sam and Ash text line at 69187, keyword r This is Raider Nation Radio 920. That was another edition of Training Camp Two-A-Days on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. If you missed it earlier today on the JT The Brick Show, new Raiders president Sandra Douglas Morgan, she joined the show really to kick things off right about 12.05. Really good interview if you missed it lvsportsnetwork.com you can find it i'm sure that multiple shows that we have not only on raider nation radio 920 but also in our building espn las vegas 
12.30 a.m. the game, Fox Sports Las Vegas. I'm sure multiple shows will want to use that audio. We'll probably have some of it. We'll probably bring you a few sound bites here and there. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we've just been very, very busy. Uh, as I mentioned, tomorrow we'll have Adam Rank from NFL Network. He'll join us at 3 o'clock. He'll talk all things uh, Raiders, talk about why he thinks the Raiders are going to go 12-5, and five, as he predicted in the upcoming 2022 season. Also, he, uh, he put out a piece talking about Super Bowl or bust when it came to uh, the Raiders. So uh, Adam Rank has been one of those, similar to Rich Eisen, that really believe that the Raiders have an opportunity to have a big-time season. So we'll talk about it with him coming up at 3 o'clock tomorrow. Also, we'll keep our training camp two-a-days rolling. We'll talk Seattle Seahawks for sure. We'll talk some L.A. Rams for sure. And you know what's funny? Speaking of the L.A. Rams, and I don't, I'm not going to get this guy to, to come on the show, but it's so funny. Uh, we had Gilbert Manzano on just the other day talking Chargers, and he said he had something big coming up. Well, it was announced today that he's switching L.A. teams. He's going from the beat that covers the Chargers to covering the Rams. So technically I could be like, hey, Gilbert, you want to jump back on and talk Rams? But I don't want to do that to him as he's uh, you know just getting prepared for training camp. So we'll, uh, we'll get someone on to talk some L.A. Rams. And, again, it'll be our training camp two-a-days. And we're getting down to the end. We really are. I mean, by the end of the week, we're literally going to have 14 teams that we have featured because we're not going to talk about uh, the Chiefs, the Broncos, and the Chargers twice. We're not going to – I mean, that's, that's silly. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's the ultimate lazy right there. Like, hey, <laughs> let's just run this back. No, we're not going to do that. So, uh, you know, 14 teams. We'll have covered every one of the teams that's on the Raiders' regular season schedule in this one week. And this is supposed to be the slow time of year. Always finding some content in the NFL season. That's why it's always – hey, this, it's 365 the NFL. Well, I'll tell you right now, we're always going to find some content here on the radio station regardless. Like, we're always going to find a lot of good stuff to talk about. I always say that uh, three hours isn't long enough. I always, at the end of the show, always have plenty of stuff I look back at and say, yeah, we never got to that. We never got to that. Some people, it blows their mind. Like, how in the hell did you guys go three hours and not get to certain things? Well, it just... It just happens that way sometimes. But we have covered a lot of ground today on the show and uh, definitely appreciate all the great feedback that we've received both on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R, also on the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. Vinny Bonsignor, he'll chime in on the show tomorrow as well. He'll be out at Tuscany Ranch, so he'll be checking in with us from there. Also, uh, he'll be giving out some prizes, so we'll look forward to that. I've uh, also found out that we have more Battle for Vegas tickets that we'll be giving out tomorrow, plus – um, they have we have some more tickets. I forget what they are, but uh, I got a I got hooked up with a a text message earlier from Craig, our promotions guy, and he was telling us that hey, you're gonna have more stuff to give out tomorrow. So just make sure you're on the lookout for that. Uh, you know, he gave me the heads up. So we have a lot of giveaways that we'll be doing here on the show as well. So we'll Ultimate Ninja that. Warrior, I just checked the uh yeah the there brass you go. back there. See, there you go. We have Ultimate Ninja Warrior tickets that we'll be giving out as well. So uh, that's that's really cool, man. I I enjoy watching that show. Uh, I didn't think I was going to like watching it because I just, again, I don't really pay attention that long. But as I was sitting at dinner one night, I was watching. I was like, oh, that's pretty fun. No, but so, if it's the mode for you, you don't have to watch it continuously. You can just watch somebody do the obstacle course in about two minutes. Right. Well, I was that guy back in the day. I don't know if you remember that show. Uh, what was it? American Gladiators? Oh, yeah. Do you remember that show where they used to run from, like, station to station and they try to do this and that and they try to shoot the gladiators and it'd be like, Contender! Gladiator, ready? You know, it's I I like that show. Those kind of shows I do enjoy. Yeah, and like, and then they had like one is like a big Q-tip, right? Yes. And you just had to battle with like it this was dude definitely was like called a, a it's definitely called a joust, but this dude said a big Q-tip. <laughs> it had a, like a, a sponge side on both ends. It was a, it it's middle. a joust though. That's what the that's what the that's what the event was called. 
<laughs> it's a big Q-tip. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Googling, you'll be like, he's right. No, I it's mean, like you, big no, it does. But I think everyone knows what a, what jousting consists of, I would think. But you're right. It does have similarities to looking like a big Q-tip. But that was that was one of my favorite shows, man, because I used to like watching that. I always used to root for the contenders to, to be able to uh, fire the gun and, and make the smoke go off on the on the gladiators. So I know I'm aging myself with that show. But that was that – was, I, I want to say it wanted to be like Sunday – Sunday afternoon watching material or so. I don't know. It was one of those days that I was watching. Maybe it was Saturday afternoon when cartoons were over. I don't know. But anyway, it was it was one of my favorite shows. So we got that. The Ultimate Ninja, huh? We got those tickets. I think it's at the New Orleans. Is that where it's, it's taking place at? New Orleans, I think it is. That's going to be fun. I like that. So, yeah. Yep, at the Orleans Arena. There you go, Orleans Arena. That's, that's where it is. And we will give out those tickets tomorrow. Uh, again, the Battle for Vegas is happening on Monday. We'll be out there live. Uh, to, we'll be doing the whole show there from live. It's going to be fun. It doesn't really start. The game actually starts at 7.30. The Home Run Derby starts at 6.30. The gates will open at 5.30, but we're going to be out there bright and early. We're going to be out there uh, to start the show at 2 o'clock. And with that being said, I'm going to try my best to get Marshawn Lynch on the show. I don't know how that's going to go. I can't guarantee that that's going to happen, but I'm going to try everything in my power to get him on the show. And Demond's just going to have to be ready with the dump button because you never know what's going to happen. Following the game at 9 o'clock, it'll be a post-game fireworks. So if you didn't have enough fireworks from the 4th of July, you'll be able to see some more at the Las Vegas Ballpark on Monday night. And then there's going to be an after party. Hold up now. Hold up, swell them up. There's going to be an after party. Why little Q just look at me? Hold on. Hold on. Why is this dude? All of a sudden I said after party, and this dude comes popping out the bathroom like, oh, what you mean after party? Let's go. This dude. It says after party located in the club level of the ballpark. VIP wristband required. There you go. Ooh. 9.30 to 11, that's the VIP party for the for the softball event, the charity softball game. So I'm sure that there will be some of Team Jacobs there, and I'm sure some of Team Riley Smith will be there as well and a bunch of other VIPs, and I say that in air quotes. That should be, uh, that should be fun. It's, it's, it's going to be and a good way to start off the week, right? And then all of a sudden, that's when rookies have to report to camp uh, for the Raiders. They report that, matter of fact, that same day. So I doubt you'll see any Raider rookies out there, but – the veterans don't report until the 20th, so there's that. So that's good. Uh, Damon, both me and you, Little Q, we were all at uh, Summer Jam, or Summer Jam, Summer League last night. Uh, how long did you stay? Uh, for about an hour. I was literally there. It was a marketing event for me, a networking event. I, wa- I sat down and maybe watched 20 minutes of actual game action, but I was just scanning the concourse, you know, getting my hustle on. Okay, now when you say networking, what were you networking for or – who were you networking with? Um, like, let's say the first person that I bumped into was uh, Sham Sharania. Okay. You know, um, one of the biggest scoops guys in the NBA. Like, yep. hey, I'm DeMond, da 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 You know, like, trying to exchange contacts. He said he had to go meet with someone. So, you know, <laughs> uh, I, I, you know a, a quick high and bye. But, hey, I, I threw two, three minutes of your time. That's all, all, that's all I'm asking. So, you didn't get his number? Nope. <laughs> so, was there anyone that you networked with that you got their number? Uh yeah, uh Kaz, um, Kazim Famawidi, uh, it's it's a, a what? Kazim Famawidi, that's oh, his okay. name. Okay, he's Nigerian. Come on, I, I, no, the way you said that, I was like, damn, you said that fast. Okay, oh, I got you. But um, he does the uh, pre and post game shows on MSG Network for the. I got Knicks, you. Yeah, you know, and he's also a big WWE guy, so that's a oh, fight game hustle there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he can talk it all. Okay, all right. I thought you were walking around there looking for some ladies that were looking for some uh, NBA players. I thought that was I thought that was the kind of networking you were doing. 
There was a <laughs> lot of there was a lot of that going on. Tell me, tell me I'm wrong. Oh, there were a lot of people. There were a lot of ladies dressed like. Are you going to the club? Or are you trying to watch basketball for a couple hours? Man, I'm telling. It was you, hard to tell. It blew my mind. It and it, it always cracks me up, you know. But hey, uh, look, everyone's got their own networking, man. Everyone's got to do their networking to, that's gonna, uh, you know. Fit their agenda. Let's put it like that. So there, there's a there's a lot of networking going on at summer league. But as far as the game goes, uh, we watched we watched uh, two games. We stayed until we we left in the middle of the Laker game, the Lakers and Clippers. That the Lakers eventually came back and won. Uh, that was the last game of the night there at the Thomas and Mack Center. And I'll say this, man: the Lakers were getting worked at first, and then finally, all of a sudden, they come back and they end up winning. By the time we get to the house and we're sitting down having a little bit of dinner, look up and. The Lakers are winning the game, and it's so funny because the score was so low that there was just a lot of bad bad shooting going on in that game. Hey, man, people just trying to show you what they got well, in their in they bag, as some would say. They didn't have a lot in their bag in that game. The, the game before that, the game that we went there to see to begin with was the Warriors and Celtics. Uh, the Warriors got pretty worked, but uh, they have three – they have three uh, lottery picks on their team, and uh, James Wiseman. Uh, they have Moody out there, Moses Moody, and then uh, and then who's my other guy? I forget his name. Kaminga, Jonathan yeah, Kaminga. John, John, yeah, Kaminga, and he's 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 pretty good. I'll say this about Wiseman, and I could end up being wrong, and I'm okay with that. I think he's gonna stink. What? I don't think he's gonna be good at all. He, the first game he played, he had the block, he had the oop. Come on, come, you're I, not seeing it. I, I didn't see much. No, I think Jonathan Kaminga's or not Jonathan Kaminga. I think that uh, James Wiseman's going to stink, man. I really do. He just he just seems to be big for nothing. That's just. I mean, that's just that was my assessment. I turned to look at Little Q and I go, man, he stinks. And he goes, yeah, yeah. He's he not had a pull up three in that first game. Yeah, I, I, the talent's there. No, the talent's there, but he can't use it very well. He's just. I don't think he's very good. I really don't. I just think that he's a big guy. He didn't have any experience in college. What did he play, like one game before he, he uh, was suspended? Yep. I mean, yeah, so there wasn't – so maybe it's going to take him some time to develop. But, man, he's he looks like he's just big for nothing. You know, he fouled out. I think he fouled out of the game last night. I mean, he just – I don't know. You I get was, like seven fouls in summer league. <laughs> yeah, well, if he didn't get – if he didn't foul out, he got pretty sticking close. So there's that. 4.55 is the time. Thank you for your time. That's all for us. We'll be back tomorrow, 2 o'clock to four, 5 o'clock here on Radio Nation Radio 920.